devil is this? A journal? Dearest Robert, my husband, I have given you, you this journal to chronicle your journey north. I would love to hear all about it when you return, and I'm sure our little one would too, when they're old enough. Hopefully you can make it back before he's born. Stay safe. I love you. Your Helen. Oh, my sweet Helen. Always the wind in my sails. How do I go about this? I suppose I'll start with... Day one. We left the port at dawn. I suppose for brevity, I should elaborate more on the nature of this expedition, while the details are still fresh in my mind. A wonderful opportunity had befallen me. An old acquaintance of mine informed me of his intentions to travel the Yukon in pursuit of gold. He heard from his business associates of the bountiful amount of gold discovered near the convergence of the Klondike and Yukon Rivers. To reach there, we would travel up the coast from Seattle to Canada. John and I are both the children of the original 49 prospectors. Our fathers both journeyed west, so how fitting it is that we uphold the mantle and brave the wild like those before us. We shall succeed where they did not, and they will smile upon us. Their failure prepared us, making us into hardier individuals who can withstand the rigors required. chartered a vessel from the port to take us to the coastline to the settlement here Skagway from there we will consolidate our gear and trek up this white pass trail to this lake here Bennett then we will follow the mighty Yukon up to its intersection to the Klondike River this area here is known as Dawson and will be our destination from there we will take all the gold we can carry and then some it's not just John and me on this expedition. In cohorts, we have Thomas Smith and Samuel Miller. Thomas is a reserved fellow, a bit weathered, several years our senior. He is our generous benefactor for this expedition. I knew of him, but had yet to make his acquaintance. Please make your acquaintance, Mr. Smith. Likewise. Please, call me Thomas. We'll be getting... Quite chummy in the upcoming months. Samuel, a strapping young lad, is one of the younger workers at John's business. Strong, no stranger to the outdoors, and has a good head on his shoulders. Robert, nice to meet you, Samuel. Hi, you as well. He was a bit rougher around the edges, but civility was not needed where we were going. This initial part of the trek shouldn't be very difficult. A pleasant cruise up the coastline. But make no mistake, the rest of the journey will be rather trying. I've assembled you all here as I believe in our combined ability to overcome nature's adversity. But do get your affairs in order in the event of the worst. I will be sure to take all necessary precautions to ensure our safety, but some things are out of my control and only in the Lord's hands. Pray to be hardier individuals than the trip requires. Our vessel was a modest-sized sailboat. After our provisions were checked twice and thrice, we set up the rigging for the sails. The captain made it a point to show us how to set up the sails. 
free rides here. Except Mr. Smith, since he's the paying customer. Oh, please, Captain. I do miss the manual toil of old. Now pass me that line. It was no surprise that Samuel was well familiar with setting up a boat and excelled. But I was surprised at the grace Mr. Thomas worked. John and I were not quite as adept and earned a few deserved chidings from the captain. After everything was set up, we disembarked from the harbor with a magnificent sunrise to our backs. This first day mostly consisted of rotating watches and rest. Watches were just that, ensuring that everything was still operating smoothly. As far as rest, it was a lot of waiting, looking out to sea, talks of what we would do with the Sop Fortune, and games. We played poker below deck, but didn't have much to gamble with. It was all for fun. How about we wager portions for our future gold haul? I like the idea, but when you only find one measly gold nugget, I'll be rather upset. Only bet what you have here and now. You're going to be upset when I find the mother load. Oh, you're full of it. Play already. Now I sit on my bunk, preparing to sleep when I found this tome. I shall try to keep it updated the best I can for you, Helen, and for our little one yet to come. I must admit, I already miss you, dearest. Hopefully I'll be back before either of us knows it. Wake up. It's time for your watch. You'll be with the first mate. Come on. Up you go. Right. Yes, sir. I'm going. Day two. It was a bit of a rude awakening, being woken up in the wee hours of the morning for my watch. Despite my fatigue... My watch of the first mate was not too bad. It ended with a gorgeous sunrise on the water. Then it was back below decks to socialize with the others not on watch. Other than rotating watches, looking at the horizon, and below deck socialization, there isn't much to do out at sea. I find myself spending a majority of my time stewing with my thoughts and staring at this journal. Unfortunately, there is not much to report. However, I feel that when there is some excitement... I will not have time to document it. I hope you're doing all right without me there, Helen. I miss you. Day three. Today was much like the last. Beautiful sunrise, then banal conversations and more poker below deck. How about I bet my watches? I win, you have to take my watch. You'll do nothing of the sort, boy. Anything else is fair game, but I've got to have able and alert bodies for navigation. While it is a simple, hardier existence on the boat, I can't say I don't find some enjoyment. Perhaps it is from daily physical exertion and end-of-day fatigue, but I find myself sleeping like a rock, at least until the captain rouses me. Speaking of which, while the bed at home calls my name, the bunk here shall suffice. Day 4 More of the routine toil today, up and at him early, maintaining the boat, and keeping her guided with the faithful first mate keeping me true. 
Eventually, it became time for the next watch rotation. However, instead of business as usual, the captain waved us over to a table below deck. We should be there sometime tomorrow at Skagway. Having been up these parts here, there's a few things to know. Skagway is probably a smaller establishment, at least for the time being, until more AUs come by. Grab whatever supplies you can before they run out. Then you gotta get up to Bennett, right? You'll be taking the White Pass Trail. You probably want a guide. Not one of them charlatans, neither. Get an Indian guide if you can find them. I ain't too keen on them, but they know the land better than anyone else. Find an older one. He'll know his stuff. Less likely to run off, but more cunning, so you'll have to keep an eye on him. But he'll get you there if it's worth his while. Luckily, they don't see value in gold, so they won't take it from you. But you also can't pay him with it. They're, uh, more utilitarian people. So if you got something useful, they may be interested. It's gonna get cold, so you best be ready for that one. Make sure everyone stays fair, and don't forget old Captain and his decky for the trip back. Ha ha ha. I'll make as many trips as you need for all that gold you best be bringing back. Thank you for that, Captain. We'll keep it in mind. When we get... The atmosphere ran ice still as the jovial nature of the captain disappeared. His cold, solemn gaze locked on to John, his elbow on the table, figure sweeping us, then to John. You'd best do more than keep it in mind, boy. Ain't no rules up there, and nothing's guaranteed. That cold is unrelenting, and it does something to a man. You're all fine now, but it's different out there. The captain's face softened a touch. I just asked Thomas about old Davy. Thomas nodded and started to chuckle a bit. The captain began to jab his finger in the air towards Thomas. Ah, me hand, me hand don't work no more. Check your boots, me toes. <laughs> poor bastard, poor bastard ain't listening. He got bit. Best be watchful for that bite, and you do more than keep it in mind. <sighs> Well, someone's got to watch where the boat's going. None of it matters if we miss the port. It's my watch. Sammy, my boy. Come on, then. We sat there for a while after the captain left before we resumed our downtime activities. But his words hung over the rest of the evening. They seemed to have done a number on John, who was more withdrawn. Say, Thomas... Who's this old Davy character the captain mentioned? Oh, just someone from a previous expedition I was on. Got a bit of frostbite, that's all. I'm a bit tired. I think I'm gonna go do some reading. If anyone needs me, I'll be in my quarters. As will I. Both men retired to their rooms, leaving me to mull over my thoughts on my own. The cold shouldn't be too bad, should it? With our provisions, we should be able to withstand the elements, and we hardier men should be able to withstand the cold's grasp. These thoughts are slowly being whisked away as my bunk calls. Tomorrow's problems. Day 5. We did not land in Skagway today. I have been trying to stay positive. However, I'm feeling the subtle anxious probings in my mind. Last night's tossing and turning has exacerbated the feelings of trepidation. 
I think the others are feeling uneasy as well. Ah, it's nothing to worry about, lads. Sometimes the wind ain't so good. Sometimes we don't get far enough. Just relax. This'll probably be the easiest time we have. Or, should I say, you'll have. <laughs> and if I hadn't told you when we'd arrive, you'd have been none the wiser. Cheer up. The rest of the day consisted of strained merriment as we continued our routine tasks aboard the ship. I do hope we land soon. It is starting to feel a bit oppressive here. Day six. Landfall at last. It happened partway through the watch exceeding mine. However, it was not all the best. First, we may not be the first to arrive seeking gold. There were a few other vessels in the modest wharf. Second, just that. It was a modest set of wharves. It was not a large bustling settlement, but rather undeveloped, save a large homestead. Other than that, there's a collection of ramshackle buildings. I suppose that was a good indication that we beat the major rush. However, scraping together any missing provisions here may be difficult. My primary concern now is to unload the boat with Samuel, while John and Thomas procured supplies. Samuel was like a locomotive, never slowing down. I could hardly keep up. No sooner than we finished unloading the boat, John and Thomas returned with a cart and a few horses. After more tedious labor of loading the supplies on the cart, we disembarked from the dock, as did the captain. We then secured the cart and horses to the stables and went to the local inn for the night. Settle in, gentlemen. We disembark for Bennett tomorrow morning. We will grab the horses and supplies and head on the trail across the White Pass. Our guide here... Guide is fine. We'll be led by our guide here, who is a Tlingit native from this area. This is Thomas, Robert, and Samuel. They are other members of my expedition party. Our guide did not say much. He looked at us solemnly, unmoving. Then again, our party did not have much to ask of him yet. That would come later. I offered my hand. Robert, pleasure to meet you. Thank you for guiding us. I haven't done anything yet. He didn't return the handshake. <clears throat> right. We should probably retire for the night, as the most arduous part of our journey lies right before us. Gentlemen, God. The awkward air dispelled, and we retired to our rooms for the night, to be properly rested and restored for the hardships ahead. Rest is fleeting, though as my mind wanders, I can't help but wondering if this was the right move. The guide's aloof demeanor didn't sit well with me. However, I trust John's judgment. He's never steered me wrong before, but still. Oh, Helen, if only you were here to guide me. Day 7. This morning was a rude awakening. I hope it does not set the tone for the entire trek. While I did awake rejuvenated, throughout the night some of our supplies were stolen from the stables. 
It appears that some of our supplies have gone missing overnight. Assorted outdoor equipment, food, and two of our rifles. No one claims to have seen anything, Bloody of hell! Of course they didn't see anything! I don't know if the staple kept donkeys too, the bloody sorting bastards! It's just... it's just perfect, and you know, I bet it was... Thomas clapped an arm over Samuel's shoulder and shook his head, cutting him off. Yes, this is quite unfortunate, men. However, we still have a good amount of supplies and a decent amount of wilderness equipment. Don't tell me you thought this would be easy. We can make do, although I concede I would have preferred to be a bit more comfortable in the beginning. Our guide will take care of us, won't you? The guide gave him a slight nod. Understandably, this put a damper on our departure. While no one said anything outright, the atmosphere was noticeably tenser. Suspicion seemed to be cast on the guide. I don't want to make assumptions. We did land and stay in a shanty town. But didn't the captain say something about natives wanting items of useful value? The guide wouldn't have taken the supplies, would he? If so, why would he be here? Those supplies would also benefit him on the trail, and he obviously didn't have them on his person. Didn't quite make sense. Perhaps it was a street thief, or other prospectors. Regardless, we decided to stay the course and disembark the trail a little later than we planned. Packing moved faster with fewer items, though. It was nice to exit Skagway. The trail wilderness was breathtaking. Much easier on the eyes than the hubbub of the cities from home. Helen, I'll have to take you someday. And the little one, too. Perhaps somewhere closer, though. But cost should be of no concern, then. Our guide took point, the steed unencumbered. And because of these supplies in tow, we moved slowly. The trail had a slight incline, and we must have covered a handful of miles. However, in the distance, it appears to ramp up significantly. We set up for the night off the trail, horses tied off to the trees. We still have plenty of provisions for now, however this will likely be an issue in the future. Perhaps we can ration early to mitigate this. We still have two rifles left over. I could probably improvise other hunting implements with the guide's help to prioritize our non-perishables. The sounds of the forest are soothing at night. A nice repetitive hum as it feels like the environment breathes in and out. However, it only exhales cold wind. Day 8. Nothing really remarkable happened. We continued to cover more ground, but concerningly, the pathway narrowed with sharp drops on either side. If it continues, we may be in a bind. The slight chill is becoming more noticeable, but we're still all in good spirits. Samuel tied up a snare when we reached our stopping point for the evening, but so far it doesn't appear anything will approach, probably because of the horses. Although it's just begun, I wish for nothing more than to be at home with you, Helen. I will persevere. Day 10. I missed a day in this log. This may prove to be more common as the days continue. The path tightened, and our progress is slowing down. 
The temperature started to become more irritating as there's hardly any reprieve. The horses do not seem to be enjoying the journey as the mud sucks at their hooves, slowing them down further. You all carry too many things. They slow you down and are useless. Get rid of them. Not all of us are in tune with nature. While the guide held in a different face, I can hear in the slight edge of his voice that we were starting to frustrate him with our pace. Not to mention he was starting to frustrate us, not seeming to guide us rather than just accompanying us. I'm trying to hold on to good spirits, and it's only the infancy of our journey, but spite may win the day. The trees seem to sway slightly in the night breeze, their leaves rustling oddly, adjacent to a tune. Perhaps it's just the cold wind brushing past my ears and my imagination running away with me at the night, imagining sounds and patterns where there are none. I feel myself sway to a non-existent tune, kept in time by the constant chill breeze. To conserve time and focus, I shall only be updating this tone with notable events from now on. Trivial nothings shall be mostly omitted, as rewriting the same mundanities will prove uninteresting and take up valuable page space and personal time. Day 13. The trail has gotten even narrower. We are having to continue in single file line. Progress slowed indefinitely between the rough terrain, the horse's reluctance to continue, and the decreasing temperatures. The guide even seemed to prove useful in a few occurrences helping us avoid a few nasty spots on the trail that would have sent us and the horses sliding down the side. He even showed us the proper way to set a snare and how far away. So we've enjoyed some game occasionally, slowing our progress at chipping away at our food stores, which we preemptively rationed. The nights are lonesome, as even though we are all next to each other, we are all in our own different worlds wondering why we came, what we'd rather be doing, or what we'll do with our riches after we return. None of us dare consider the possibility of failure, or broach the idea of turning back. If the amount sunk into resources isn't too much, our pride is. I'll do it for your father and for you, Helen. Day 17. The path became more treacherous the further we've progressed. At some points, it squeezes down to only two or three feet wide, and when it opens up, the ground is uneven and has many sharp rocks for boulders to slip on. This compounded with the dropping temperatures is making this a hostile environment, and we haven't even made it to the lake yet. The horses stumble often, and I'm worried about their health. They grow thinner. Unfortunately, we don't have the supplies for them. None of us say much out here now. We've talked to death about anything and everything. Only pressing issues were brought up, such as the car's deterioration. The wheels had since broken days ago, and they were little more than glorified sleds. However, the rocks did not like the bottom of our sleds, and one of the nightly duties was to reinforce the bottoms. All right, Robert, would you put the damn book down and chop some trees? I've done my share for the evening. All right, give me the axe, and I'll finish it for the night. 
Just a few more pieces of lumber should suffice. I've almost finished patching this sled. Anything extra is bonus for tomorrow. Where the bloody hell did Thomas and the... and the guide go? They better not be off lounging somewhere letting us do the hard work. No. I think they're trying to hunt far enough away that they won't disturb the wildlife. A few more days and we'll be the wildlife. Well, if we didn't disturb the wildlife, that certainly did. Perhaps they actually hit something. We can enjoy a sizable meal. Hopefully. And maybe. It'll warm right up tomorrow and we'll find all the gold in the world. The guiding Thomas came back a while later, stumbling into camp dragging a small mule deer in tow. Merriment was had tonight and our spirits were lifted by the quality meal. We processed some of the smaller cuts from the deer and cooked those on the stove over a modest fire, fed by the extra wood I cut. Unfortunately, we won't be able to preserve all the deer, but the morale boost is great. I feel terrific. A nice change from the gloom and dried vegetables. We've set up the tent with full bellies, and despite the air temperature, this keeps us warm tonight. Things may be turning up for a change. Klondike Gold Part 1 was written by Evan Jaffe. Robert is played by Neil Skarupa. John is played by Eric Phones. Thomas is played by Sigcor. Samuel is played by Channon Carruthers. Helen is played by Rebecca Mersinger. The Guide is played by T.J. Hodder. The Captain is played by Tanner Wood. Please consider supporting the show on Patreon. And we definitely encourage you to join our Discord channel. All the links you need are below in the show notes. <laughs>